Welcome to the Five Phenomenon Podcast. I am your host, Shane Hazen, and with me this week is, do you want to call yourself a guest host or the guest? Because your name's going to be in the title, so... Whichever you prefer. Aaron Smith, manager of Showplace Cinemas East. Um, he, You are the second guest on the podcast, and it's been less than a year, and you're already returning back. Well, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, that's, 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 I feel so, um, Carson-esque right now. Um, no, but I had, I had a great time when I was here because I don't get to see you as often as we used to. Well, especially now. So it was terrific just to catch up. Yeah. Um, you, so we were trying to figure out if we're going to do a tr- uh, typical, we haven't been doing the normal intros where I talk about what I've seen this week, but you mentioned maybe we should, what, what have you watched this week? That was interesting. Um, I've been watching um, a documentary series called Civilization. I'm a, no, I don't anything about it. It was um, it was kind of like the precursor to Cosmos, the Carl Sagan thing. Yeah, and it came out in I think '67, but it's thirteen part documentary series. It's about European art. Where are you watching called, it on? I downloaded it. Yeah, Aaron Smith is a master torrenter. No, I, I it's available on YouTube. Oh. It, it's everywhere. I just I I download it because I wanted a, a higher quality copy. Did you watch any of the new Neil deGrasse Tyson one? Uh, I I did. I I didn't like it as much. I it was fine. It was fine. Did you watch it? I wanted to. I mean, I, it just seems like something in HD would be great. You wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't you hate wouldn't it. Really like it that much. <laughs> uh, I I. I've been alternating so wildly between trying to get a movie in a night and then turning out to get a movie in a week if I'm lucky. But uh, I watched Mo Better Blues last night for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been a year after Do the Right Thing. It was. It was interesting because it had kind of a similar structure where it was very um, rambling character base. Uh, a main character who's a little bit of philanderer, kind of wandering through. And then it builds towards a piece of violence, and then there's just kind of an epilogue to it. And and also, I, I kind of got that vibe that Spike Lee uh, was figuring out what what he was doing with his career and artistic talent after Do the Right Thing and the celebration of Do the Right Thing, which, I mean, I love Malcolm X and... You know, um, 25th hour, I think, is some people consider the best of the decade. But there's an argument to say he hasn't. I mean, Black Klansman's great. I mean, but I mean, that do the right thing was it or was the top as he's he's never he's never matched do the right thing. I think that would be hard to do. Uh, It was also a cultural phenomenon. It was of its time. I'm I'm not. Yeah. You're as soon as you said, I was like, I I think it's a petty uh, a way of 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 judging an artist at that point just because certain reactions like that are out of an artist's control and 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 just because an artist hits the zeitgeist at the right moment they shouldn't be shortchanged from it too i was listening to an interview with liz fair with um have you been have you listened to any of shirley manson's podcast where she interviews um different people about songs that changed their career no, I have not. It's great. But she had Liz Fair on there talking about Six Feet One, which is the first song on Exile yeah. from Guyville. Mm-hmm. And uh, she asked Liz Fair, is like, do you resent Exile and Guyville because everyone's measuring you by it? And she was she responded, it's like, well, at first I, I did, but eventually I started thinking of it as, I started thinking that album as a friend that's been with me all these years. Still pays the bills. <laughs> 
So the reason you're, uh, I wanted to have you on this week, Smith, is you've, so you've been managing through the pandemic. Off and on, sure. Yeah. So That's what, what I do. So when was the last, so when was the first week that cl- they closed down? It would have been back in March? Yeah, I think it was mid-March, maybe late March. And was it just a very sudden thing when it happened? Yes and no. I think you could have seen it coming and I think we kind of expected it. But as soon as the studio started to pull content, you know, it just wasn't. This so out. this would have been before uh, um, the statewide stay at home happened. That <clears throat> yeah, I think it was slightly before that, but not long. And it was just a week or so, maybe even two weeks before there was the you know, statewide mandated shutdown. So, so we have been closed for a little while. How long were how, were you out? But I could be totally wrong on that because it's so. I mean, six months ago might as well be six years ago at this point. It feels like it. Yeah. 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 I've I've gained and lost. Probably fifty pounds <laughs> since then. Um, so w- before this, what was the longest period you were away from the theater? Uh, a week <laughs> at a time. Yeah, That's what I, never more than a week. Yeah. It's, so how long was the first uh, uh, session gone? For how long were you out for the first? We round? we came back uh, early June for about three weeks so there was a considerable length of time and you know it, it it took a while to get used to it and of course you know the habits that you you form after obviously a long number of years i you know just staying up all night because i only worked nights yeah. which i actually still kind of do i prefer it that way but you know those those things are odd um but you, know, you get used to it after a while. I just didn't get used to the the just constant snacking, constant <laughs> snacking. You've been posting some really pretty um, uh, vacation photos of like intermediate, like going to state parks near here around there. You've been doing that with the kids. Yeah, that was that was honestly the best thing about it is that uh, you know we got to do we had we had time to spend together that you don't just don't get. You don't get three months to spend with your, you know, your young children at any point in your life. So I, I really wanted to take advantage of it. And, and hopefully I did. I think partially, you know, you wind up trying to, you know, show your children your, your, your heritage. Like, you know, these are things that my parents took me to do things that I remembered, things that I really enjoyed. So it was kind of, you know, trying to toe the line between dragging them to do mm-hmm. something that, I wanted to do, and then also kind of sharing my love for those experiences with them. What places did you go? Oh, we went tons of places. Uh, we went to Hingmont Cliffs, which is in the Hoosier National Forest. We went to um, Indiana Dunes, which is a national park on Lake Michigan. We went to that, Rock that, Island. That's a pretty far State trip, park. isn't it? It's about five hours, sure. Okay. We, every place we went was in within reasonable driving distance because we were supposed to go to Yellowstone. And since that was kind of a big trip that got canceled, we made a bunch of small trips. But almost every one of the trips that we took uh, was within, you know, three and a half hours drive. And um, just except for a few places weren't crowded there there in fact many of those places we we were the only people there that makes so. sense were, were these day trips then even the o- five almost those you know sometimes we would stay one night but we really didn't want to want to stay unless we absolutely had to because at the time you know you get more comfortable with it and i and i guess this is 
how we all are getting is that you get more comfortable with it. So we would, you know, maybe stop and get something to eat. But initially we were taking all of our food. Mm. We would only go places outside and then we wouldn't stop. But then, you know, eventually I think you get used to it. And if you, you know, you, you, I feel comfortable with the kids because they were good about washing their hands. At least one of them is. <laughs> so speaking of being comfortable with it. So what's it like when you were back? I can only speak for myself. I I feel more comfortable there than I do at Target. Because when I go to Target, and especially if I've got the kids with me, I feel like there's there's more people closer in my personal space there than since I've been back to work. Because we've been back now for three weeks or so. And uh, it's, it's not busy, but, you know, it's there's a reasonable amount of people coming. And so, you know, people tend to, or at least they have definitely since March, kind of keep their distance. And, and most people are, are being safe. I think, you know, when people have this image of, especially our theater, because it is traditionally crowded, you know, you, you're people on top of people selling out shows, excuse me, and it hasn't been like that. It hasn't really even been all that busy. So a lot of times you can sit and watch a movie and only have five or six other people in there. So it's kind of a really nice process. Hopefully, well, I mean, it's it's hard to say what will happen. So, But hopefully if people get a chance to, you know, come and and see how the process works now, I think it's, it's different. It's, and to me, it's more laid back. It, it seems less stressful. The customers, you know, don't seem as stressed. But I, I think people are having a good time. Uh, honestly, though, the, the the bottom line is the content. And if, if you know, I don't have anything that people want to come to see, then, you know, no one's going to give it a chance. I mean, you know, did you see what's showing at uh, AMC this week? Yeah, they got uh, Kajillionaire, which I thought might be interesting. Oh, I, I'm almost tempted to go back for it. I, mean, I love Miranda July. Well, that's, you know, actually, I, that was something that I thought, because we saw Tenet together, you and I and Ted. We, we were going to, uh, I guess we should tell that story, too. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think this it, this is where it fits in for me. Okay, okay. Uh, so we saw Tenet, and uh, I had been back to work maybe a solid week at that time. So, you know, I, it, and of course, I'm always there, so but I'm it, comfortable. This would have been the first time you sat in an auditorium for a full mo- length movie, though? Mm-hmm with other people yeah definitely i okay. had uh screened no actually i think it was definitely you know because we came in a week early we cleaned everything down to the down to the floor uh so that actually was the first and of course it was my day off so i came back to work on my day off just yeah. to see that movie with you yeah so i i know i i knew i kind of in my head thought tenant was going to be the movie i was going to break for and I was what I was doing in advance was checking how full the auditorium was, and it was it was. I mean, you guys are good. You have the was it two seats on each side or mm-hmm. buffer seats on each side? I was. I wish there was an option of no seats front or back, but at the same time, and my idea was also I wanted to get the back row so that way no one would be breathing onto you, mm-hmm. and we got second to last row with someone who or a mutual friend of ours who kind of. They weren't that talkative, but they were just for my... They're chatty. My antsiness were too. And uh, did you notice how I was acting? Yeah, no. I, I could tell that you definitely were not comfortable. Okay. Because what happened <laughs> was um, we were sitting with you and Ted, and Ted has a very distinct 
policy on all movies that he will not leave the theater until the credits are done. He make he's got he's trained his nephew to do the same thing too. And so you were sitting on one side and he was sitting on the other side. You both were sitting up there. Oh, when you were blocked in. Yeah. I stood up for a second and then the credits went up and I thought we were done. And then we stood every second. And there was just this like old way of watching a movie where we sat down and we're just like gathering ourselves. And I was just like wanting to bolt for those doors. And I don't know if you heard me, but I said, can we get the fuck out of here right now? <laughs> no, I didn't. And I, I mean, I, if you're uncomfortable, I understand that. Okay. But um, that hasn't been my experience or my reaction. You know, I, I, um, I understand. Do you, I mean, I, I mean, like, are there coffin people in the theater? Do you, you guys Not obviously? I, notice, I would notice um, if you know, and I'm, I, you're just you recognize those things now that you didn't previously. So if someone is coughing. I would certainly take note of that, mm. uh, but it just hasn't been an issue. I actually do think, you know, most people, if they aren't feeling well, they're not going to go to a movie because they know if they start coughing in the movie theater, other people are going to get up and leave or they're going to complain. Oh, I the other day I was in a place and I had to sneeze. What and place I made, was this? It was just some restaurant, Where but was some takeout place. I can't okay. remember which one, but I'm, I had to... Um, sneeze and I went outside to sneeze and came back in. I think it was Licks. It was Licks. Yeah. Um, well, shouldn't you always do that though? Because that now, is pretty gross. I mean, it, well, I mean, now it's just... It's Especially just, if you can. It's I'm the, not saying because if it's it, just... You can't. Well, if it comes it, on you, there's really not a whole lot you can do, but... It, it's, it, it's also the question of what we're going to be doing after this for years afterwards and how we're going to react to like, is everyone doing a Dracula sneeze after this point or... Yeah. But... Um, you guys aren't doing temperature checks, but I've had this argument with friends. We're what, doing temperature checks for employees, not for um, customers. What does a temperature check do if you're a, no if idea. you have three? Was it two to however many days asymptomatic? Well, I you know we we check the employees' uh, temperature, and obviously if it was high, we would send them home. But it, there's no way for me to know what that means. Right. It could have just you know it, it, but I think you know. You're trying to be as safe as possible. No, so it, even it, if that person's not infected with COVID, possibly they have the flu or a cold or allergic to cats. I don't know, but I just, you know, we don't want to take that chance. Are you guys getting anything new this week? I don't know. Honestly, I, I'm not sure. There, it's everything is so day day to day, uh, unfortunately. And you know, I th I think it, same thing happened when um, they eventually decided to push Wonder Woman to Christmas. You know, we had there had been rumors that that was going to move, mm -hmm. but you know, the studio waits literally three weeks before a movie's supposed to open, and then decides, well, you know, we're pushing our movie. To back to Christmas when you know the spot that it vacates leaves a giant gap and so everybody that came back for Tenet was basically relying on Wonder Woman being there because Tenet, Tenet is as good as it is and and you know I guess we didn't really finish that conversation about it uh, because I, I did kind of want to get your take because and not just about yeah. the movie or how you felt but also you know what makes you feel uncomfortable about being because like I said I, I'm there every day I feel safe there um, it is kind of a second home 
it, it, but, it, it, it dies into the whole, it's not just about me feeling uncomfortable getting something. It's also the worry that if I have something and I, I'm asymptomatic, then I'm spreading it when I shouldn't be spreading it. And then, then going to the movie theater feels like a vice that I shouldn't be endangering other people with. And, and okay. Tenet was, the, we can also talk about the movie of Tenet because Tenet was Oh, I wanted to. Tenet... The thing I mentioned this on this last episode, I closed in the last episode about this. The problem I I found going to the drive-in last week that you're oh, not, I saw Evil Dead. Yeah, and yeah. Evil Dead too is awesome. Um, but you can't get at the theater right now. Is it's not just about going to a theater and being with people. It's about being with a crowd of people that are alive and reacting to the movie and. Right now, we're hoping for dead theaters or theaters where I'm the only person in it. And so then all you're going for is a big screen and surround sound. And before we were recording, Smith was trying to fix my receiver upstairs. You know, I got 7.1 upstairs, so I got good sound. So like I Kajillionaire, I'm really looking forward to it, but I'm also of a mind. I almost thought about driving. They're showing at the Belcourt and at the drive-in there. I'm, I thought about driving down there, but then I was just like, I can rent it and watch it at home. Especially, especially the, the 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 prices they have for the new the movies. It's twenty bucks for most new movies to rent. Is that right? Yeah, I had to pay twenty bucks for Bill and Ted, which it was. Yeah, Bill that's Ted, yeah. Bill and Ted was worth it, but yeah. I think the studio and, and you know their their argument is if, the argument I've heard is that if they're renting for a family, that's still worthwhile. Oh, I agree. And when you rent it for twenty dollars, it's you can watch it numerous times, right? It's not just a one time. Uh, I usually go through Amazon. Typically what they do is you have, um, 48 hours to start it. And once you start it, you can watch it on repeat for 24 hours. Oh, well, that's, well then that's probably, I think with Mulan, Disney was giving you unlimited access well, once you pay the $30. Yeah, I could be, that was that, like, that none was, of this could be true. I think that was the <laughs> Disney plus plus or whatever. Right. Was. So you, you played, you paid for the normal service, the Ten dollars a month, which plus I thought, the thirty dollars. That was an absolute crock. Of no one, and that they was... really, I don't Although, think got what they wanted out of that. Did what? you hear that? Uh, someone was trying to tell me that, or no, I saw an article that it made more money than Tenet did doing that. Well, although, although there's there's this thing Warner Brothers not reporting their exact actual money. Uh, the difference money between those two, and this is this is what I wanted to say about Tenet, and if everyone was assuming that was the film that was going to save the theaters. I think that was a mistake. Let's say, for instance, there was no pandemic and Tenet came out at its original release date. I just don't think Tenet's going to be that successful. Well, now that we've seen it. It's it's too dense. It's uh, cryptic. And, you know, with it's obviously a quasi-Bond film. Which I was going to say, do we, wanna, do we just want to dive into it? it turns, the movie is it's, it's not something most audiences want to see. And when I say most audiences, I mean, I just, I can't imagine my wife or children being interested in sitting through Tenet at all because you and I, you know, we're the target audience. And I actually liked the movie quite a bit. I think I liked it more than you did. Um, in fact, I'm sure I did. I, I, I definitely was entertained. It was very entertaining. It was thought provoking. It just with, yeah, I mean, it's not his best film. But I did like it quite a bit, and it certainly falls in his filmography. It it doesn't stand out as Where, great or poor. For me, what it is is I think that he has continued his um, development of trying to make a spectacle. He's he's gone to the next stage on spectacle, and he you know each movie needs to be bigger in some way. 
And I think that he's continued that with the, the backwards forwards gimmick. Like it's really interesting shot. It's interesting setup. The, it, the story plays within some really interesting ways, but I'm not the first person to comment that this is just a bond movie with a sci-fi gimmick. That's really kind of glued onto it. Like that. I think that was what was more disappointing than anything else. I thought there was going to be a really interesting reason why that was happening. And the explanations were weak, but the, the commentary I've had with other friends about the movie is that ever since interstellar, it's clear Christopher Nolan is he's I, I want to say he's very progressive and always coming up with an interesting sound design, but he's, he's got a bug in his bonnet about dialogue is not necessary, but then he writes very expository based screenplays where lines of dialogues explain twists and moves and you, and even weirdly key phrases that you have to pay attention to. And I don't, I don't know if this is a case of him just not giving his dialogue editor, um, you know, rain or just ignoring his dialogue editor. Cause the tracks are clear. I mean, the, the clearest example we have of this is you were working whenever dark Knight rises prologue went into the theater. So you saw the pre-sequence and you saw the old, Bane dialogue and then the when the movie yeah. came out it was very clear it, Bane Bane's dialogue and the end movie of Dark Knight Rides is very clear but you saw the IMAX prologue that came out the Christmas before it was indecipherable completely indecipherable it was interesting but it was indecipherable and it just there's this it, it, it's a counterintuitive filmmaking technique on no one's part is my, is my problem on top of the movie itself I mean, there's something about, you know, there's the, there's the plot line of trying to like save the world for your children, which I found that Nolan was much more touching in Interstellar, but, and there's, there's vague mention that the whole backwards thing is just because we have to start over because we've already ruined the planet and ruined existence, which, okay, that's kind of interesting. But for the most part, it's Nolan making a Bond movie that's supposed to be as disposable and and Nolan, I love him to death. He can be funny, but his movies aren't necessarily fun, effervescent things in of themselves. I mean, it's just, I think that the, multiple people have, I've read comment that this is one of the weakest Nolan movies probably since Memento, or not Memento, um, Insomnia. Okay, but having said that. Having said that. Memento, Insomnia, um, and and obviously those are earlier films. Uh, Memento. I should not say Memento. That's that. Memento's great. So is Insomnia. So I mean, Dunkirk. Oh, what? Ins- what Insomnia, is, what's Insomnia's, the least of his films? Insomnia or Following? Do you think maybe. so? Yeah, Insomnia. I mean, have you seen the original? Oh yeah. It just, I, I it think just pro- I I'd like Insomnia just fine. It's, I like it. It's great. It's just kind of. I think if if let's say for instance, so you don't think? I'm assuming you don't think Tenet is his worst movie, or is it in the bottom third? Well, it's that my my, my all, point is it's still high quality. Well, I think that's actually we're on the same we're on the same page there. Just because I do, I am also of the mind that complaining about something as good as Tenant is why we can't have good things, <laughs> and also there's a lot external uh, going into my reaction to Tenant just because it was like I felt guilty going, I felt guilty yeah, in, no, in, I could tell going with in in. And I, it's a movie I thought I need to have a theatrical experience with, mm-hmm. but at the same, and see it ex, for the first time in the theatrical experience. But then I just I didn't see the reason why I went back for that. Like if 
if Dune is as amazing as I hope it is, and by the way, have you been playing that trailer? Oh, well, yeah, sure. If Dune is as amazing as it looks, and I go back for that and I enjoy that, we'll have a different conversation. Although, I mean, again, I was thinking about going for Kajillionaire, or what's the um, Broken Hearts... Um, Broken Hearts Gallery, yeah. is that correct? I even kind of want to see that, and I thought, I, I, if I can get a back row seat, empty, should I go for that if I'm going to be by myself? I don't... I don't want to speak for you. I I think, like I said, I'm comfortable there. And my children came, uh, we're showing the first two Harry Potter films. We're showing a lot of catalog movies right now. They came to see Harry Potter. Um, I did not feel like a bad parent or uncomfortable that they were there. And, you know, I do realize there's, it's, there's more risk there than there would be if we didn't go. But I still think it's relatively low. I think that, they're safe. We're safe. It's it's relatively safe. You're much less safe on the road to get there. Just because of the statistics of driving? traffic. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I I realize maybe that's bullshit, but it isn't. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, the 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 thing that's got me paranoid is the air conditioning. Anytime I'm indoor, I'm just oh, like, oh really? Yeah, well, that's what. It, that was... Oh, do you okay? Um. That's why I'm what, like, oh, I'm keeping distance. I'm washing my hands. Are but, you? Um, I got my before mask this. On. Do did you spend a lot of time with hand sanitizer? Are you a no, germaphobe? No, really, no. Hmm. Our, our family has is, does has a. Well, it seems like you have a strong. You know, I understand of hand washing. If, if you lived with your grandmother, you know, where you just felt like you know, there's no margin for error. I cannot make this mistake because it will be devastating and i know what you said about how the greater good obviously i don't want to pass it on even if it doesn't affect me but i had okay i had these conversations with ted early on about how well ted is a, a good example because i do feel like you know we're we're all relatively old but ted's a little older mm-hmm. uh and so you know he may be getting to this area i'm sorry ted i'm so sorry he may be getting to this area where he is high risk. Well, he's, he's recovering from heart surgery. The heart surgery. He had heart you know, it's not, he's, it's been almost 10 years, I bet. No, I'm saying, but he's still, he, he'd probably be an at-risk person because of that, too. I, yeah. I, I think, think I, I think, would, I think I, he said I am, You are also, I mean, you're the youngest of us, uh-huh. but, you know. No, I get You're that. not going to get carded. Um, shit, what was I going to say about Ted? Um, Ted, uh, I've seen him since he came to see Inception. Uh, and if he was going to wear a mask and he wants it to cover his face, he really needs to do something about his beard. Because, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? That to me is, was a big, well, I got concern. a beard. It's, it's the beard. Yeah. But he has a, a kind of a fluffier Dan Haggerty style beard. So his mask was just kind of a postage stamp in the center of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas any gears would still cover your face. It, 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 it does. Ted and I had this conversation early on right when everyone first started to stay at home where we were both like, this is our lives. Like we, we live by ourselves. We, if if we need to be stuck at home, we've got all this media to watch or read. Like, why do we need to go outside? And I think part of my guilt is that it's just this weird compounded thing where like, I know, like I I had this feeling that whenever everyone was stuck at home, I was like, you guys are stuck with me the way I have to be <laughs> most of the time. Well, but did you do all those things you said you were going to, did you finish your stack of novels to read or 
movies you planned on watching, or did I, you watch something else completely different that um, you had never it, intended to watch? I actually, it took me, it took me a little while, but I've been on a really good reading kick lately. See, that's you know, like you said, the first thing you thought is all this media. So you planned on listening to records, and you know, you were going to catch up on everything, and you were going to familiarize yourself with the works of X and X. And you didn't do anything. At least I didn't. Mm. I wound up doing a lot of things that I really hadn't planned on, and my to-do pile is roughly the same size. There is a feeling the to-do pile got. It was never. It was me, not the pile. I'm the problem. <laughs> it was always me. It was always you inside, Aaron Smith. <laughs> uh, no, there, there's a, there's definitely a. Uh, I forget what the term is. Time scarcity or time famine. There's definitely that going on. I, I still have that feeling like, like every day I just like I go to bed I still got shit to do more shit to do and, and it's and it's not an obligation it's it's something that's enriching and entertaining and but but but, but the it's uh, a personal obligation okay so you already paid for it and but it's it's something it's a a talis, talisman sitting on my shelf my bookshelf of mm-hmm. books that I haven't read but I bought and was aware of it's symbolic of your intentions intentions yeah so showplace made the big announcement this week that everything was closing for the time being except east mm-hmm. is this all the city cuz cuz the Newburgh um bar is still open right or the restaurant the restaurant uh, and then they also have like a game room Mm-hmm. So, and, and to me, that's, this is, this is kind of mind blowing to me because, um, the restaurant and the game center, um, they're doing fine. People show up there and, and I guess that really, it, it really proves the point that it's, it's content based it. And that's, you know, not to bring this around to tenant again, but I almost have to, that was never going to be the movie that saved cinema. It was it was made for a very specific audience. And when you talk about the sound design, how loud it is and how sometimes you you literally can't follow the dialogue and it and it almost requires a second viewing just to kind of make sense of it or or you know, if you didn't read review after review. So I, I've, that been, makes it I've been impossible. really close to going to a second viewing just if I know if I'm in an sure. empty theater, but I, then I come back to the reason I don't like, I don't want to. What works really well the second time through uh, are uh, the relationship with, with Neil and the protagonist. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was really sweet uh, the second time through. The, the, the central love story uh, doesn't, it still doesn't work well. And so I, you're right. I think, you know, obviously the, relationship in inception there's a heart to that yeah. the tenant doesn't have no so you you certainly do lose some audience but i i feel like either inception had similar sound design i wonder if they didn't take more care in making sure that dialogue was audible like you could follow the story yeah i mean i i i've i I mean, I've been on the other side of this where a director just flat out, you know, or kind of dismisses it and says, like, that's fine. Like, they can hear it. And the problem happens is if you've heard it a thousand times, you assume everyone's going to hear yeah, it. Absolutely. And, well, that's when you talk about Bane's voice. They just kept tweaking the voice till the voice had that timber that they wanted where it would kind of rumble in your belly or, you know, scratch your ear mm-hmm. eardrum. But 
it was difficult for other people to take in. They had spent too much time with it. The story it was their baby. The story I told Ted, I'm not going to name names, but or Sonic's teeth. There is a there is a I've heard this story. I worked with somebody who worked with a major filmmaker, and they there was a movie of theirs that came out that was one of the most laughably bad sound designs in there. And I was talking to this this sound person who worked in the sound department on it, and they told me that that filmmaker had paid for an extra two weeks on the sound mix and also on that movie or or movie previous what had happened was a gun had gone off next to the ear of that filmmaker and that filmmaker was deaf in one ear Mm yeah well it worked for brian wilson So, do you think if uh, Mulan had gone theatrical, what would have happened? Well, I, I think more people, more of a general audience would have come out for that. And I, and I know this for a fact because uh, I answer the phone every day, okay? And if I get 15 calls in a day, 10 of them are ask, people asking me if we're open. So, clearly that's a problem. But then I also still get phone calls about Milan and I think people and and the thing I don't understand and this only makes sense and obviously I'm looking at it from a perspective that didn't include having you know all these giant theme parks that didn't make any money all summer so they're in a different level of panic than I am but to me if you're going to charge $30 for people to rent your movie on Disney Plus in addition to the fee that they're already paying for the app why wouldn't you also put it screen that theatrically? Because I'm sure at this point, well, it's it's Disney. Their whole shtick is exclusive exclusivity. I mean, it's the reason they ca- they um, vault so many of the movies, and there's the threat of them vaulting so many 20th Century Fox movies now too. But I I think that makes sense. But when you're talking about short term, when they had so much money invested, and a big part of the reason that they felt like we can do this on the app exclusively is because they expected it to open huge overseas and that didn't happen. If you hedge your bets, you have day and date where it plays on demand and, you know, instead of charging 30, maybe they charge 10 plus the Disney plus admission, but then you also play it in select theaters. Cause obviously you can't play it in New York and LA yet. There are still some other places that are closed. So you play it on theater available you make, let's say, for instance, they earned, just like with Tenet, they make anywhere from 10 to 12, maybe $20 million in a weekend. That's $20 million you didn't make. And it was there on the table for the taking. Hmm. Well, I mean, didn't Tenet make some money worldwide? It did okay. But again, you know, even worldwide, I still think that, that it's a movie with a limited audience. Well, what's, what's nice about with that, um, with that analysis is that... I remember someone pointing, I've seen some article that was crapping on tenants box office in general. And I was just like, come on, are we not grading this movie on a curve? So like the movie that you, you make the point is probably not, not as accessible as it should have been. I, I always, when it comes well, to, bo- when you say they should have been, I don't think that's fair. I think he made the movie he wanted to make as loud as he wanted to make it. <laughs> and, uh, that's who he made it for. I don't think that he was really considering, well, this is this kind of excludes a big portion of a theater-going audience, and also 
even on a secondary market. When that eventually comes to HBO or Netflix, a lot of people still aren't going to watch Tenet because it's it's too dense. I'm it's not, not for everyone. I don't mean to be crapping on a, such a great achievement of a movie because I do want to give make sure I make it clear. Christopher Nolan, credit where credits due. Where he, I find I have a few directors who I think are maybe the heir apparent to Kubrick, and and Nolan is that in regards to someone who's really trying to make a. Um, giant um, spectacle that's also high art or trying their best to mix the two or trying to make some kind of sophistication uh, or sophisticated evolution in film technique or show you stuff you haven't seen before. And he's doing, the thing is he's on a tightrope right now. Like he hasn't had a real failure. Like the, and if this is as close as these get, he also has such a great excuse. And this is still a great, great movie. I'm, I mean, again, shitting on shitting on this is why we can't have good things or why I can't have good things. Uh, but that also isn't fair to expect you to grade it on a curve simply because of the environment in which it came out. That is, I mean, I, I feel like what do you I would have liked the movie the same regardless. That, that's what do you think the critical reaction would have been if this had been a normal summer? Roughly what it is. I don't think most really people, the reviews haven't been bad uh, and they haven't been raves. I think a lot of people have said, and even you know the things that you said about it aren't untrue. It's just that you know the level to which you feel like that harms the film isn't the same level that I do. Like I. I, I had more problems with the sound design, I think, than you did because I felt like it was oppressive. Like, it was very, very loud. And I had the advantage of seeing several scenes again to clarify some of these things. And so that's why, um, you know, I feel like I may like the movie more than you did because I've had a chance to go back and kind of connect those dots that... Cause at what point was there a point during your initial viewing and you've still only seen it once, right? Mm -hmm. Was there a point where you just gave up and said, okay, well, I'm not going to try and follow the plot. I'm just going to just ride this one out until, or were you comfortable with when the, okay, I, I, I don't want to get I, into depth because I don't no, want to no, say no, any spoilers. I, I don't, there's definitely movies. I think that you follow, even though you don't follow, like I, I always had this, like I wouldn't want to take a quiz on the movie afterwards, but well, I mean, even well, okay. we would have got a passing grade, but we probably wouldn't have done well, very okay. well. There's a big thing I've always used to do whenever I was running test screenings on movies I'd edited. What we do is when a screening went bad, what would happen is one person would be the most vocal person and they take over and they'd say like, well, you felt this way. And then, you dread and they, they'd almost make the room go along with them just because their comprehension suddenly became the other room's comprehension and everyone just glomped onto what they were willing to say out loud that they actually paid attention to or they actually what details they actually got in. And I'd always dread the moment when they'd say like, well, you knew, or when anybody would say like, well, you knew when this character's name was happening with, cause I didn't want anyone to like say the details, volunteer the details for others to be like, cause everyone has to pretend like, Oh, yeah, I got that point. I did know that. I was I was paying <laughs> attention to that the whole time. Well, I I'll be willing to admit this. Um, I was probably a third of the way into the movie before I recognized. So this whole time we've been playing this trailer for this movie. I knew Christopher Nolan has this film he's working on. It's called Tenet. 
all this time I knew the title of the film, maybe 40 minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh, Tenet's a palindrome. <laughs> <laughs> the one I'll give you... So, is, the one, some the, things are obvious that you still don't get. The big one I'll give you is that um, there's a device... The, the big thing that allows things to go backwards and forwards in time... I, I don't understand exactly why why that was suddenly introduced or when that was introduced. I just suddenly knew, oh, there's a, there's a scene. It's a little convenient. It, no, it makes sense. Um, you know, I watched that sequence again when, um, well, I, you know, I don't want to do spoilers because it's not fair. It's still a new movie. And even, even for you, I don't want to do spoilers because what I am doing now is I'm in that screening and I'm volunteering information for you and I don't <laughs> no, want to do no, that no, either. No, 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 I mean, well, I mean, you can be vague, can't you? What, what? Yes and no, but... You, you're you a better man than I because <laughs> one, one of the problems Ted's pointed out about the format of the show is we, we especially when we, we dive into random movies, is that we're just like, yeah, you, you, here's a movie no one's ever seen. Let's talk spoilers right away. Yeah. No, but... I think the beauty of that, though, is that, you know, you guys talked about some movies that I think some people are probably never going to want to watch. But then when you do like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, um, you know, you, you kind of put the uh, the format at first mm, with it, that movie. It will. Oh, man. But it, then again, you know, to, it was so to, cool. to get back to so that, cool. I love the drive-in experience. We and. Not just this season, but we, we've we gone every year, even before we had kids, ever since me and my wife first started dating. We w- would go to the drive-in at least once a year. How, how Okay, how do you watch uh, watch drive-in movies? You, you go to holiday drive-in, right? Yeah, and we uh, I've been to, well, the Henderson drive-in closed while we were still first dating. But I actually preferred that one because they had... The, and I love the food at the drive-in, but mm. they had like a shrimp basket. Like they went all out over there. They had fried chicken. I mean, it was <laughs> nothing like the Henderson. Kentucky it was drive. It was in very interesting. Basket. It was interesting. It was a cool little place. Just like I think the holiday is kind of outgrown itself. You can't really say that's a cool little place because it really isn't sprawling at this point. It, it, but it's always been sprawling, though. Yeah. It, it, it's weird because I, I pointed this out last episode. I went in, I guess it would be 95 for Twister. And then this year is the first year I've been since then. But but also it wasn't it's not been open that much. Like they stopped opening when uh, weekdays when schools started back up. And well, they're open every summer, I think, though. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I will speak for myself. Um, it's a terrible way to actually watch a movie you have never seen. Because unless you have, you know, headphones, some relatively decent headphones that you're going to connect to the sound system, the sound's going to be terrible. And then the ambient light outdoors, because, you know, if they start at 8 o'clock, the sun doesn't go down to 8.30. It's just not a, it, it's a great that's, experience. That's not been too much of a problem. The ambient I, light. I think you'd the, be the surprised, obviously kind of depending upon what well, night of the year the you funny, go, what they, the moon phase is. A lot of these are factors that will affect the quality of the of the screening. I just, I love the experience, but I think it's a terrible way to, I would not want to watch Tenet for the first time there. It would be mm. an awful experience. No, no, no. Tenet, Tenet's definitely. It worked, Evil Dead works because you're familiar with the movie. I th- I, I mean, there's Aren't a, you? Yeah, and there's also a certain amount. Well, the other reason I thought that that was perfect is, especially with the first one, maybe not so much the second one, seeming such a low budget, there's a certain cheapness factor. And so the sound is, if you're getting tinny sound from it, it's, 
how did you listen to just radio car speakers? Yeah. No. And that was the worst part because I've been going to these movies by myself. And this is the first one I, Ted went with me. And then I been watching it on the back of my Prius hatchback and I can fit by myself there, but with Ted there, then we had to figure something out. So one person sat to the side and one person sat in, in the hatchback. And also as much as I want them to keep showing movies, it was pretty cold and we didn't, weren't properly mm. covered. You so. were ill prepared. I had it, a jacket and you I was so can, cold. Well, you know, it's the drive-in. You're supposed to bring a blanket. How did you... How did, bug spray and a blanket? Yeah. No, I never bring bug spray and I always should. How did you... Um, so how do you normally, do you guys, do you guys get the radio and a blanket? Yeah. And in fact, one time we had to get a jump when it was over because the battery was dead in our vehicle. That uh, seems like that would be a problem, a constant problem. But even if, you know, my wife has a Kia van, the sound system is pretty, it's shit. So <laughs> the movie sounds like shit. And I, and I think honestly, if you were honest about it comparatively, it doesn't really look great either. Uh, but it's just it's it's fun. I you know oh it's fun. I'm not, it's so much fun. The experience that, that. is is fun. But you know again it, it's just like you were saying. You went with Ted. It is kind of a communal thing. Uh, the drive-in is would be more fun if you could go sit outside, um, you know, and not be concerned about. It. I think most people right now are going to the drive-in as an alternative. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know I could be it's, wrong. I mean. I mean, that was the reason I was going. It was a reason. I mean, sure. even even as excited as I was to see Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, same reason we went. It's you know, I'm just, I'm not going. I haven't gone to any of show places showings of. Do you have any um, opinions on? Uh, I'm not sure if you can speak to this, but the movies you guys are showing right now, like, are we? Do we need to see Goonies again? Well, you know, I it's. And Goonies, to be perfectly honest, and it's interesting that you would pick that one uh, because we have shown lots of catalog titles. Goonies has probably been the most popular catalog title because <sighs> it does appeal to uh, you know kids, uh, parents with children, young audiences, and then also the, the nostalgia group, which I guess would be probably me. You might even be too young for it. Yeah, but, I am. Yeah, for me personally, I mean the the Goonies, Gremlins, uh, the Back to the Future movies, Ooh. Jurassic Park. No, those, Jurassic Park. Those last two was the best, one of the best drive-in screenings. I double features I went to. It was super cool. That yeah. was great. That was great. I th I think it, that might just be, you know, how you feel about the film already, and then going to that screening kind of pushes that button for you. Because I don't know, I don't think I will ever, ever in my life again. And, and there are movies that I enjoy, like I, Back I, to the Future I, I or Ghostbusters. You, I don't know if I'll ever just be like, I really want to watch those movies You're kidding. Again. No. I'll it's give, just too I'll, many. I'll give you that I, on Jurassic Park, but Back to the Future. Yeah, and but Ghost... I don't even like Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park has, the T-Rex the, the sequence in the middle is kind of. Oh, yeah. It, it's kind of definitive. Yeah. Spielberg, but, it, it is. But, and, and I mean, it's popular for a reason. I just don't. But, you know, the Fast and the Furious movies are popular for a reason. And I, that's not for me either. So I just Jurassic. There, there's the argument that um, Back to the Future and Ghostbusters are just great, perfect blockbuster movies. Like they're just mm -hmm. they're just the movies that work with the audience better than anything else. Well, you know, a movie like that, and, and I, you know, I'm not necessarily putting this in a category, but a, a movie that I think I would would bear repeat viewings for me would be something like Groundhog Day, or you know, because I, I mean, and maybe 
I am, you know, an 80s kid, so I should be excited about Back to the Future and Jurassic, and not necessarily, that's the 90s, but uh, Goonies and Gremlins. I don't know, it's just, you know, I, I that was never, those were always the most popular films, and, and the movies that I liked then probably weren't all that popular, and so I wouldn't be, uh, I'm not all that interested. And, and you brought it up for a reason, and I think it's because you feel the same way. Yeah. Although, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe your experience with Back to the Future wasn't just a nostalgia trip. I don't know, but it feels like that's the best you can get from something like that. Maybe. I mean, the specifics on Back to the Future is also, it's like, you have those movies, like you make a point you haven't seen in a few years, and when you see it again, it's like watching, there's a little bit of you're seeing it for the first time again, or Back to the Future is a movie I've seen many, many times and I haven't seen it in a few years, so this is a great screening. It was just, but... But I, I, you know, to, to more to your point, or at least what I hope is maybe mildly deflecting or transferring your point <laughs> is that I, I love catalog titles. Catalog movies are, and you know, all the movies that I watched over quarantine were, you know, particularly old films. I don't think I watched anything that was made after about 1980. So mm-hmm. I was going on my way. The, you know, the movies that I were choosing were movies that I'd seen once, maybe run to rewatch or maybe even never watched. Well, uh, Ted, Ted made this point to me that I found fascinating was that uh, for him, it's definitely this entire thing has been uh, his to watch list because nothing new is coming out or real realistically not. Well, much I, new is coming I felt out. like he might be a little better organized with that than you and I are where he, you know, he would be like, I'm going to get down to this stack of films that I've been meaning to watch because he's, I mean, I don't, you've seen his, you've seen his house. He's got quite a few stacks of those. He does. Uh, and I, and yeah. I know kind of when it falls over, he rebuilds and then adds to it. <laughs> so I'm sure his to do stack is still fairly significant. So are the Harry Potter movies doing well? Oh yeah. But that's, an, that's, exactly what i'm saying no no no. those audiences the the, the, harry potter with you know people can bring their children honestly uh you know one of the things that i think the drive-in is doing that i wish we would do more of is potentially bringing in uh, you know a a horror film because those seem to be playing well at the drive-in and they're going out of their way to really court that audience Mm -hmm. so they played scream which i don't necessarily love they played the ring the Evil Dead films. Yeah, I saw. Um, uh, it's all from Dustal Dawn. I saw Scream from Dustal Dawn for the first time in forever. And and uh, Evil Dead had a, a very specific bumper in front of it. It was like Grindhouse releasing was putting it out. Oh yeah, I think that that didn't come from a studio because it, I don't know who even owns that now. The 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 Scream from Dustal Dawn. They both had the old Miramax logos, but or excuse me, new Miramax logos in front of them. So there was a new DCP to them, and and Evil Dead uh, had Bruce Campbell with a very funny new intro, wearing a mask, telling reminding people to wear a mask. So. It seems like uh, they're they're putting it on the drive-ins. Yeah, that's well, I yeah, I think that was aimed toward the drive-in audience, but because you know the drive-in audience, drive-in audience this summer has been much wider than it normally would be. So you know that's an audience that they didn't normally have. So yeah, I think that's smart. If you could, and uh, <laughs> obviously <laughs> Back to the Future's out. If you could just pick five, ten movies that you'd be like, listen, I it would be great if this was released and 
back in the cinema and I would go and sit and watch this film and, you know, I would make a point to drive and pay for a ticket to see this. Are there movies like that for you or is that just something you wouldn't even do right now? Well, I think the, the key for me is like, or the real question for me is, the other big issue I've had about going to the movies right now is we don't have access to crowds of people. And even if we did have access to crowds of people, I've had this conversation with you before. When I go back to show place, it's not, it hasn't been the same since I left Austin where if I go with a crowd of people in in Evansville, I'm actually more worried because it's going to be a bunch of teenagers on their phone, not engaged with the movie. And a crowd in Austin, it, it was always film people that were really into the movie. The biggest crowd I saw since being back in Evansville is probably It Chapter 2. And I had to, I was with my nephew and I snapped at some kid next to me who was, who was messing around on his phone for his date. And, and I just haven't had a good experience since coming back, to, a great theatrical experience since coming back to Evansville. And so therefore the catalog titles I would pick that I think might work in Evansville. I, I well, know. No, it, but that's an interesting you're, you're idea. Me personally. But, what yeah. But you could do it that way as well. What you think might work in Evansville, well, because was, obviously you can tell just from what you're saying, uh, you know, audiences in Austin, it's not people with a group of kids. It's not, you know, teenagers on a date. You know, this at Evansville, this is really the, the bread and butter, you know, yeah. the, the People here are people bringing up a family, so they do wind up seeing Goonies again because they have to bring their children, or they, you know, they want to see something again they share with their children. That's why the Harry Potter films, because right now the that first one's almost twenty years old. You know, people that came when that was initially in, in the theaters are bringing their kids now. So that and and, that, also, that, and Harry Potter in Austin and Harry Potter is a religion for all the kids now hitting their teens or going, mm-hmm. yeah. but. What I would pick is I you know the 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 whole industry in general abandoned 3D pretty quickly and then projectors started going against it. I would pick some of these great movies that were designed for 3D. Like if I could see Gravity in 3D again, holy shit, that would be something cuz that was an amazing experience. Or hell, even something like Noah or just just a movie that was designed for 3d you know um ted and i when we did our speed racer episode we could i do remember seeing it in 3d and that was because it's a distinctly flat movie when they played with 3d it was really interesting and you know i whenever 3d was really popular at the time i was like why aren't why isn't anyone releasing a dial in for murder there are or hugo uh hugo's a movie i would go back to the theater right now for like Hugo's I, one of the and obviously I, I agree with you on that it's one of the only films life of pi i think is life another of pi, life of pi that are really made for the 3d process i and think most of the 3d movies the, uh, were just you know, I, I've been so I, I think it's I, a gimmick. I, I think I've mentioned it on here, but um, the um, movies that made me podcast, they had the best of the decade earlier this year. And Joe Dante mentioned on there that Life of Pi almost isn't as a great a movie if you're not watching it in 3D. And what are the 3D op- watching options before pandemic, much less right now? Well, the, I. Do you guys have a 3D? Is, do you guys still have a 3D? Yeah, I have the capability of running 3D, and the last it, IMAX occasionally will request that you know you run. So you know we'll have a 2D doubled up with a 3D, but I don't think there's been an exclusive 3D film in I don't know a couple of years. But 
the the problem was that they they kill what was special about it. So if you only have Life of Pi and Hugo and Avatar and things that are actually designed to look good in 3D and not just something like um, that they had fit, locked the film and then did an aftermarket process where they're like, this, we're going to make a movie that's already done, going to make it 3D. That's what killed the product because yeah. after a while, people just didn't think it was special anymore because it was just something they attached to everything. I kind of got to the point where I, well, it was pretty early on. I just remember thinking 3D always enhances CGI. It always makes CGI look good. But uh, the, also on that episode, they were talking about uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And I had to think back. I think my first viewing of Fury Road was in 3D. And no one's going to be as interested in seeing that movie in 3D. Yeah. No, I, I, and when you said that 3D, I, I was just thinking about, you know, an old film. That was, and other than, and I, Ted and I actually discussed this once or twice, Avatar, Hugo, Life of Pi, I really don't know how many other films I would even add to that list that need to be seen in 3D. They're just, they're very few and far between. A lot of people say things like Polar Express, but, ooh, that's... I'm, I'm good not to watch the Dead Eye movie. I'm good. Yeah, it's tough to watch. But it's kind of a Christmas classic. People are... Have, but there's, sure. there's two long scenes where uh, one of the characters is just sliding down this ice flume. And it, it clearly was made... It was designed to be seen in 3D. But it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. It's like a three-minute sequence. Remember, and it's, un- it's unwatchable. I remember seeing, the, um, I think, my first time at the uh, Evansville, or the East IMAX, and thinking, cool, movie is a roller coaster. Well, the back, the, I mean, that was one of the first three, especially in IMAX, that was one of the first three movies. So you, you get by on the novelty of it and how cool the 3D effect was. Uh, and then when you watch it, just standard version at home on television at Christmas, you realize, you know, how lacking the film was without that, without, you know, what was cool about that 3D. But, you know, you can't, I don't know if you could do that again. So what are you thinking is going to happen? I mean, I, I, I don't want to weigh too much on your epidemiology degree, but <laughs> what do you, I mean, Bond is still lined up to come out. Dune has not moved, but Wonder Woman moved like a week before Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rumors that Soul, the Pixar movie, is going to go to Disney+, Plus, but it hasn't happened, been said yet. And there's still there's been some push saying like no they're still going to push for theatrical on it too. They may end up doing what you were speaking to earlier with Mulan about doing both Disney Plus and theatrical. Ooh. I mean, when when the announcement came that Showplace East is going to be the only uh, theater running on Showplace right now, it said specifically we're going to wait until November to see what the studios are going to put back out. Yeah, I, well, even before. Soul, I think Disney is probably going to move Black Widow, or at least that's the rumor. Uh, so then, you know, there's a couple things that come out in October. Right now, uh, there's a Liam Neeson movie, Honest Thief, and there is uh, Death on the Nile, which actually, you know, just judging by how well Orient Express did and how well Knives Out did, which I think has a similar audience. Death on the Nile could be something that plays really well. Was that a Thanksgiving movie? 
was it originally meant to be a Thanksgiving yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, or, or was Orient Express a Thanksgiving movie? I think Orient Express was a Yeah, Hollywood. no, that was, yeah. was yeah. But I mean, Death on the Nile. I mean, I mean, have, have they put out a trailer for that yet? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it actually had, oh, I can't recall what the song is, but it, it's a really, you should check it out. It's a really cool little trailer. And Gal, I mean, love her. Okay. I, I'm yeah. sorry, I got stuck. Have you ever seen that YouTube video of the from the original Murder on the Orient Express um, trailer? Just because it has that really odd that what's up? I can't remember the popular song it plays for it, and uh, it ends with uh, the Brana reveal as Hercule and um, Perot, and um, they put as many inappropriate songs in, in behind it. It's like wow, and like. I have not seen that. I'm glad I was able to describe something that <laughs> that does not have the charm of. Uh, uh, I, I wish if we had show notes, I'd put it in the show notes with the link to this trailer. But you still can. We still can. I won't, but we the, still can. The Death on the Nile trailer also has that same reveal. Uh, so he's narrating uh, the trailer. Man. I still think it looks cool. No, I mean, no, no, they're cool. I, I, you I know, like with Knives Out, I I was a little. I didn't expect much. I thought this could be interesting. I like the cast. But then it, you know, it really struck a chord with people. I think it was something unique. And you know, one of the coolest, uh, the coolest double features that I didn't, they just released it on Prime, Knives Out on Prime, so I didn't need to see it. But one of the coolest double features they had of the drive-in this summer was Jaws and Knives Out, yeah. which they don't have anything to do with each other, but is an amazing double feature. Jaws is always rewatchable. Jaws, I think, would have been, but, you know, obviously the drive-ins had already pretty much poached it by then. But Jaws is one of those movies that I think plays well. Uh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. I, I, well. Google, and the other that reason I... come out every summer. I saw it with 47 meters down. Is it 47 down? Oh, yeah. It was, that, that, it was a bizarre... It was that an odd movie, movie has its fans. Some people like it more than I do. There, it was fine. It was fine. I'm like, I don't really... It's it's fine. Um. But so Showplace right now is just waiting with bated breath on the studios their decision they're going to make two weeks before november well i hope not but yeah i i think you kind of have to just wait and see because it's it's something you don't have any control over yeah i realize that you know especially with disney even though they're a giant corporation not making all that money off the parks all summer really put them in a bad position so it would not surprise me if they did something like that again it would, I honestly, I still think it was a mistake. Milan was a mistake. I think it'd be a mistake to push Black Widow again. Uh, but, you know, I think Bond is sticking. Because you do they, think Bond is sticking. They're still sending out promo material with the day on it. So I don't think they're going to spend, put good money after bad if they're not going to put that movie out. So literally this week, I got promo material with that day. Has, so, Sony, has Sony Sony doesn't have any hasn't had any blockbuster it's had to worry about beyond that one right? I don't think so. Well, I mean, a lot of their productions got shut down. I'm sure everyone's did. But, yeah, yeah. yeah but... So I don't think they had uh, other. Well, you know, No Time to Die has been pushed back twice now. So I think they're assuming at this point, if we keep pushing this back, it's going to have too much competition. If we kind of find the sweet spot, it might you know find its level but you know bomb movies are always popular so it does have a built-in audience and i forget what i, I had the thought today that there's no 
tax incentive or write-off option for the pandemic beyond because the i mean the 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 only bailouts are there's are the business bailouts the small business ones so like it, it's not a production's not going to probably be able to say we would have normally made this amount of much in the year and um and disaster ha- and an dis- insurance level yeah. disaster surely happened. this type of disaster isn't covered by insurance right you know, we're talking about giant studios that can absorb those kind of losses. Yeah, or as I'm worried about, they they absorb those losses by taking out all the mid-budget movies well, for that's, the, for the rest of our lives. I think, to me, that's the problem with, you know, the overall structure of the exhibition model. The studios are only putting out giant misses so let's say for instance something like justice league earns 500 million dollars and still loses money for the studio i mean that's that's nuts you're you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to lose more often whereas you know something like knives out i think what it's 40 million Mm dollars to make they spend a little money on marketing everybody you know the investment isn't as great but you come away with a film that you know may not have all the bells and whistles but it's entertaining it has an audience and you got return on investment the only studios that are doing anything like that a24 boom house you know the small horror films no one else is even making those movies anymore and and to me that's the bigger issue if all these other studios had uh, five or six other movies in the pipeline that they hadn't spent $200 $200 million to make and need to spend another $200 million to market, they could take a chance on a couple of things right now. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's several factors that are problematic there of like in our lifetimes, you know, people like us, we want to watch great filmmakers work on bigger canvases to make more expansive stories. So we want them to work on more expensive movies. And it feels like the goalpost of them of like, this is the amount of money they need to make to make their money back has been moving our entire lifetimes as more and more money has been put into the ad ad budgets for these movies to guarantee that they're going to make money. And then they've also been cross promotional and cross meet in transmedia. So like they're over across all these, that part's been frustrating, but also just, I mean, the mid budget is just, there was really speculation that, that Amazon or Netflix or even Apple was going to buy some of these theaters, especially if the uh, the Amazon was going to buy AMC. I thought for there was a rumor. there was definitely that that rumor going around, especially because of the timing of the um the what's they call it? the Paramount not Accords but the Paramount decree that right. got struck down this year, and it's a it's been a visual. So like that could have happened, should have happened. I mean, I even saw some interesting speculation that. Disney was going to buy a bunch of AMC theaters and turn half of them into retail stores on top of the things that shows their movies. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely, there, there's definitely some thought that this, there's a, the subscription model could also transfer over into, um, if one of these places, these, uh, these studios buy a theater chain. I don't know. That's interesting. I, well, it's it's definitely with Netflix. It's the hope for mid budgets because Netflix is the only thing putting money into that mid budget. You're right, but this is my concern about Netflix, and, I, and I've had this for a while, and I'm sure I've told you this already. But because 
you know, we've had this conversation more more often than we really should have. But that Netflix right now, they're doing things like Other Side of the Wind and they're financing all these comedy specials and interesting documentaries. But those aren't the things that are paying the bills at Netflix. Those are the prestige things that draw you and I in. Tiger King is paying the bills. You know, that's... and and. Adam Sandler movies, and you know, I, I don't have a problem with Adam Sandler. Well, why but these are lesser Sandler films. Why can't they show those theatrically? But well, they could, honestly, we can't. We like we showed Irishman. I mean, I think that uh, you know, you you can't have a relationship with uh, those studios, with Netflix, with Amazon, and show their films. And I, and I, and hopefully, we do more of that. I, I think that's a good way for them to you know, offset the cost of those things of a prestige feature than, you know, because obviously the Sandler films and the Tiger Kings, the stuff like that's going to play really well. That's going to earn their money back for them. Mm. But I, I, I fear that Netflix is just going to, you remember how when we were kids, AMC was American movie classics. <laughs> yeah. and they would show all these beautiful old films without interruptions in their original aspect ratio and it, it was just a beautiful experience. And then, you know, they started to make their own programming. And I, you know, if they show movies on AMC any longer, it's never anything that would be interesting or unique. It's just, you know, middle of the road stuff because that's what the general audience wants. And Netflix is so big now, you know, with however many subscribers they have. And I'm sure it's in the tens of millions. If 70% of those people aren't interested in watching, other side of the wind how many more of those are we going to get well uh, not there's obviously that was the only one that's not my no, no, i mean no, that no. type of movie well i mean it's going to be years before we figure out exactly how netflix is making their money just because a lot of what they're doing is they're writing stuff off and saying that it's a library that they're building supposedly yeah so i don't see that especially like Netflix didn't end up buying the new Scorsese movie, but Apple Plus went in after its budget ballooned and Paramount was like, we're not going to pay for it. And Apple needed a prestige movie to end some filmmakers on their thing. And, you know, I mean, there's been that weird thing with Scorsese and uh, Noah Baumbach's movies pretty much exclusively on Netflix. And if you want a physical copy of them, they're going to, Criterion's going to eventually put all these out. So there's a lot of, this. they still have their traditional avenues to get, I, I don't know. They're, they're still getting the tokenism of a theatrical experience, even with an expensive movie, when, like you said, the average moviegoers, th- th- these are just prestige things. These are the, these are their Oscar potential. These aren't the things the average person is going to go see anymore. As big as Marriage Story was, with Oscar nominations, uh, obviously it was probably their biggest, because even, even more so than Irishman, I think, it was their biggest prestige film that came out last year mm-hmm. I'm assuming and, I, and I, I think you could make this assumption pretty easily anywhere from 60 to 70 percent of people that have a Netflix subscription did not watch that movie I, I want to complain but that sounds fair you can I mean you can complain but I'd say those numbers are reversed for Tiger King whereas 70 percent of the people did watch that yeah, and I mean, there's also I have that jealousy factor of like I wish are speaking. That's what they want. I wish movies had the water cooler factor that Tiger King had. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. 
and that's such a rare thing. It is. It's. When was the last time? I mean, obviously, you and I talk about movies. We talk about movies with Ted. Obviously, I work in a movie theater, so you know, I. Anyone that will listen to me ranting about whatever movies we have, but you know, it's kind of a limited audience for some of these things. Like with Tenet, you and I could talk about that for probably another hour. If Ted were here, we could talk mm. for two hours. But um, lots of people just aren't going to be able to stay with that conversation because not only did they not see the movie, they probably didn't want to see the movie. Yeah, which you know, gets her concerned all in. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm going to, I figure you're going to be a reoccurring guest though, just because like, just to whatever. Well, try- I, I mean, I would like to be a reoccurring guest at your house <laughs> so we could be friends and have normal conversations and we don't have that to, nature. Do we, do we no, have to record well, them? I mean, I have, I can't I've seen you them? twice in the last, well, since March, you know, I haven't really seen anyone, so I can't. Well, I haven't seen anyone. I, well, I mean, I've only I, seen I, my mother once or twice, so it's not, it's not just you, but yeah. I'm saying I do think that, you know, it would be nice to have a recurring conversation. Like I was telling you, I haven't talked to Ted about the new Bob Dylan record, and that seems crazy. Yeah. Because we would have, at some point, have talked about that thing seven or eight or nine different times and also had kind of different takes on it by now we also didn't talk about the robbie robertson documentary once we're brothers that's something that i definitely feel like we both would have enjoyed you know having bounced that off yeah. the other person and just see what their take was you I, I know ted's been ted's been here and he's been on a couple of times and uh, we've yeah. discussed it we, we i'm familiar with your podcast we 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 and we've we've we, we've worried about you and we've we've asked what hal smith's doing so uh, last question how are you doing right now oh fantastic i enjoyed my you, time you, off. You, you don't have to be fantastic you know I, all of us I, need to be honest with each right. other. right no i get it i i felt like during quarantine even when i was at my heaviest i still felt really good because like you know, I got a chance to go to these parks with my kids. I, I enjoyed my time there and it kind of, it fills you up, you know, just doing those kind of things w- was, was positive. But since I've been back, I've kind of got back into a, a, a little bit of a regular routine and I feel healthier because I've lost some of that weight again. And, you know, I do, I really do still after all these years, I enjoy going to the movies. I enjoy being at the movies. I like watching movies and I, even though I have watched a lot of movies at home recently, it's it's not the same. Yeah. I was telling my wife this, and this is kind of, this is really, uh, the, the audience for this bullshit is very minuscule because I could tell when I was telling her, like her eyes were glazing <laughs> over. She was like, what the, f- why? Why did I marry you? Anyway, uh, I told you I was watching uh, Civilization. It's uh-huh. a Kenneth Clark documentary. It was I don't know if it was BBC, but it was definitely British. It was made in, filmed in 66. But um, it was kind of groundbreaking because it was one of the first documentaries where they actually took this old British dude, Kenneth Clark, to these places. So um, he was at Shark Cathedral or he was at the Sistine Chapel. And so he's talking about these works of art. But because they were there... I'm listening to it on headphones. I have a Roku and, you know, it just, I can put on the headphones so I don't wake anybody up. Okay. Because I like it really loud. So I'm watching these, this documentary and 
not only do you see, you know, you get the information he's giving you by talking about it, and he's, you know, it's a dry British film, so it is a little dry. But, you know, so you get the information about what, you know, what he's talking about, the art or the architecture. But then you also get the room tone of the Sistine Chapel in 1966 because I've got it on headphones. Mm. So it just, you know, the information that I'm getting from that I can't do elsewhere. And I think that that translates not directly, but similarly to seeing a movie at the movie theater. I'm not going to turn up my end. I'd like to listen to the TV loud. Yeah. You know, if I'm watching a movie, uh, I want to hear the gun. I want to hear yeah. if you're watching a Western, the gunshots should be, you know, they should be loud. They should you, be scary. Hey, I'm Mr. 7.1 here. <laughs> so I, I can't do that at home. I need to see that at the theater. So Goonies in the movie theater is a better experience than it would be even at home with the best. I mean, obviously, if you had Kanye West set up, maybe, you know, that that guy has the best of the best. But, you know, for the common man, we can't, you know, we can't have a system like that. So you there's nothing else is going to beat that experience of going to the movies. And, you know, I, I get to do that. And I, I still think that that's, that's the best way to see a movie. So what you're saying is I need to come in and go see Kajillionaire. I, you know, you should come in and, and see Goonies. Sigh <laughs> on that note. Uh, I, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Aaron Smith, thank you for coming into my basement and doing this. I uh, appreciate it. Anytime.